0: Well, we all enjoyed that. It's lovely. Always good to hear Sam singing. I got saved on the 19th of January, 1985. Uh, It was a Saturday. Uh, I went to a prayer meeting on the Tuesday, and uh, the preacher was Sam. Uh, I was up in Mulliglass, outside Bessbrook, that's the community around that area I'm from. So I know Sam a long time, and I always enjoyed listening to him singing and his love for Christ, and his love for souls. So we'll thank him for coming along tonight and his friend for making the journey as well. So we thank everyone of course for coming along tonight to support us here in the mission. Hard to believe for coming to the end uh, tomorrow night really of the first week. Uh, so we do thank you for your support. Coming along, invite others, pray for us as well, that God would direct us to the Word to preach and that people may be saved. That's what the meeting's all about that people may come to Christ and find the Lord as their Savior. Now, we want to turn tonight to the Old Testament, and we want to turn to Daniel and the chapter 5. Just going to read a few verses. not going to read the whole chapter, but we'll be making reference to it in Daniel chapter 5. And we're going to read from verse 1, just to get really the context, what is happening here. And uh, so, Daniel, the book of Daniel, and the chapter 5. As you get to Ezekiel, and then you'll find uh, Daniel uh, there. So, Daniel chapter 5. I'm going to read together at the verse 1. And it says, Belshazzar the king, he made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem. And the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver and of brass, and of iron, and of wood, and of stone. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand, and wrote over against a candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, and the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against another. And I want to go to, on down to verse uh, 22. And uh, we find Daniel. Daniel is given the interpretation of the writing here. And he says, verse 22, And thou, his son, O Belshazzar, has not humbled thine heart, though thy knewest all this, but thou hast lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven, and they have brought the vessels of his house before thee. And thou and thy lords, thy wives, and thy concubines, have drunk wine in them, and thou hast praised the gods of silver and gold, of brass iron, wood, and stone, which see not, nor hear, nor know, and the God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are all thy ways, has I not glorified? And then was the part of the hand sent from him, and this writing was written. And this is the writing that was written. Meaning, meaning, tackle a parson. This is the interpretation of the thing. Meaning, God has numbered thy kingdom, and finished it. Tackle that weight and the balances, and find wanting. Paris thy kingdom is divided and given to the means and Persians. Amen. And we pray the Lord to bless that reading eh, to all of our hearts. I want to speak on the verse 5. Eh, it talks about a hand, fingers of a hand coming here to the palace here in Babylon. Eh, and it says, And wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. So, what we have here is the writing on the wall the writing's on the wall. And we want to look at that tonight and we pray, God, what happens tonight. So let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for being here, for the number you've brought in, for Psalm and for his ministry. And we pray now for help around the word of God. And we pray, if there's any unconverted, Lord, that they, will, that they will come to Christ. That alone can speak to them. And whatever's holding them back from being saved, Lord, we touch those shackles we asked of thee, and set them free, and save their soul. Help us now to speak for thee, in Jesus' name. Amen. There are many quotes and phrases in our lifetime that we use together or with one another. Sometimes people say, well, you know, an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. And what they really mean there, I'm, I'm going to get my own back. Well, we find that in the Bible. Now, it doesn't tell us by personal revenge, that is for the judges, in Acts 21, verse 24, we find this. Sometimes, perhaps, we have a near miss, and we say, well, I just got that, or I just missed it, by the skin of my teeth. Do you ever say that sometimes? I just got it, I missed it. The skin of my teeth, well, it's found in the Bible. And Job said in Job 19, verse 20, My bone cleaveth to my skin and my flesh, and I am escaped with the skin of my teeth, and some people say, "But I'm working," and they says, "Well, I'm working hard, and I'm earning all of these things by the sweat of my brow." Well, do you know that such a phrase It's found in the Bible? Because my the curse came upon man in Genesis three, verse nineteen, and it says, "In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread." And sometimes people are so busy in life and so on, and you say, well, you're very busy, and what did they say to you? Well, there's no rest for the wicked. I'm always on the go, and there's no rest. Do you know that's in the Bible? The book of Isaiah, and the book of Isaiah 57, or the chapter 57, sorry, verse 21, there's no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. And sometimes someone will tell you something, and you ask them, you say, well, who told you that? Who told you? And what do they say sometimes? A little bird told me. A little bird told me. Did you know that such a phrase is in the Bible? Because it says there in Ecclesiastes 10, verse 20, Curse not the king, not in thy thought, and curse not the rich in thy bedchamber, for a bird of the year shall carry the voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the mother. And so the Bible tells us the same thing. A little bird shall carry the message. Now, here's something that is commonly used by all of us sometimes. Someone gets into trouble, something happens to them, and what do we say? We saw it coming, you know. We saw it coming. Why? Why did we see it coming? The writing was on the wall. Now, sometimes we say that, of course, don't we? The writing's on the wall this is what we find here in the walls of this great city of Babylon. They tell us it was one of the greatest empires in biblical times. It was a huge city, about a circuit of fifty-six miles. The walls were about three hundred feet high, eighty-seven feet wide, and they had about two hundred and fifty towers, and there were soldiers guarding this great city. Then outside, there was a moat going around it, thus preventing the enemy getting into the city. Now, we see something of the greatness of the city. But it was a city of wickedness. There was great sin in the city. We find that at the very opening verse of chapter 5. Belshazzar, it tells us he made make it a great feast for thousands of his lords. And he's inviting all these people to this great feast, to a great party in the palace. You can see it was a sinful palace, or sinful party, sorry. The drink was flowing. It says that in verse 1, he drank wine before the thousand. I want to tell you here tonight, where you find drink, you'll find immorality, and you'll find much sin. There were sinning against God. And the party was going, there, were drinking, and many other sins was being com- committed at this time. But outside the city was the means and the Persians, their enemies, and they were outside going to attack, attack this city. But this king was so full of pride, he was saying within his heart, No one can take our city. It doesn't matter. They're outside the city. The walls are all around us. The guards are all up on the walls. And he had a party. He had a party. We find here he defied the enemies to their face. But listen here tonight. He defied God. Because when the drink is in, the wit goes out. And that's what happened here to this man, Belshazzar, because when he got to drink into them, in verse 2, it tells us what he did. He commanded to bring the gold and the silver vessels which his father, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken out of the temple at Jerusalem. His father had went and broken down the temple in Jerusalem, and these vessels were used in the holy worship of God. And they were brought back into the kingdom of Babylon. And here's Belshazzar. He's thinking about the vessels. He says, go and get them. And they got the vessels of the Lord, these holy vessels of the Lord, and they filled them. They filled them up with wine. And you can see here in this passage, they started to drink, and they started to blaspheme God. And they praised their gods of gold and silver, and stone, and all the rest of it. So, you see the picture? We would really say here in a fashion, the party's in full swing, and everybody seems to be having, really, the time of their life, and they're singing, and they're laughing, and they're mocking, and they're drinking, and a hand appears out of nowhere. The fingers of a man's hand appears, and it writes this message here on the wall, before all of them, before all of these people. And there we see the people now not looking at themselves, they're looking at this message that's been written by this hand on the wall. They're writing on the wall. And I want us to think about this right in tonight. If you could imagine such a thing happening here tonight, a hand appears and just wrote a message here on this wall. And I want to say something very simple about this tonight. I want to think about the inspiration of the writing. It tells us here in verse 5 about a hand came. Whose hand? Was, was it the hand of one of these lords? There, there were a thousand of the lords there. There were princes there. It tells us about his wives. I don't know how many ha- had. Was it one of the wives took her hand and wrote this? Was it somebody here? No, friends, it was not. It was the hand of God. This was a message from God. And we see that in verse 24 because verse 23 of that chapter he says about God and whose hand thy breath is and then he said in verse 24 then was the part of the hand sent from him and this writing was written so he's saying here 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 here's where this writing came from here's a message here's a message from God this is God's message not from anybody else, but from the God of heaven. It was God who did this. In a miraculous fashion, we have to say that this came directly to him. This message was written on the wall. You can see it in the passage. came very quickly to him. The palace was in full fl- flow, it just seemingly like out of nowhere, out of nowhere. There was a, this message was just placed before them in the wall. I would say to you, this message was written by God to this people unexpectedly. When the people went to this party, they never, listen, they never expected to come face to face with God's Word. They never expected it. They were there for the booze and the sin and everything that went by such a thing. And we find here the writing, it came unexpectedly. And it came very quietly as well. There seemed to be no noise. Just seemed to be out of nowhere. It was written quietly there on the wall. Listen, by the hand of God. What a difference it is over in Acts chapter 19. When God has given the law unto the children of Israel, there, there's a trumpet that is blowing. There's, there's lightning. There's thunder. There's an earthquake. The whole place is shaking. But here it comes quietly. A hand appears quietly, And writes this message, God is writing it on the wall. It came publicly. Notice in verse 5, it's over against the candlestick. It's there, you see. It's up on the wall. And here, God wants everybody, everybody to see the message. He wants everyone. He wants Belshazzar to see it. But he wants everyone to see the message on the wall. And it came powerfully upon this wall to the people. And what I mean by this it stopped the party. It stopped the party. It stopped the music. It stopped the blasphemy. It stopped the drinking. It stopped the dancing. And Belshazzar, he's brought face to face with the word of God. God, God, God was bringing a message to him. Remember Ehud in Judges 3 verse 20? He said to Eglon, the king of Moab, I have a message from God unto thee. I, I, I have come to you, you are the king, but listen, I have got a message, and I've got a message from God. I've got a message from God. Here's a message from God to Belshazzar. This is God's writing. And this book, behold in her hand tonight, is a message from God to you. Everyone in this meeting. I hope there's no one argues a point tonight and says, Well, I don't believe the Bible is the Word of God. I meet them. call meets them. Mr. McIntyre meets them in her outreach and in her, in her work for the Lord Jesus Christ. People argue against the Bible, but we believe the Bible is the Word of God. And you only have to read it, and it tells us all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. This is God's Word. God has a message for us. And He's written it. Well, you can see it. Perhaps there's a text. No, there's one. It's on the wall even tonight. You can think of the message on the wall here. What must I do to be saved? It's God's Word. Read Genesis 1. And And the first book of the Bible, about 10 times you read, and God said, and God said, and God said, right through it. About 10 times in the first chapter, we're told, we're told, God, God is speaking. This is God's message. And God has a message, and He speaks. It is the Word of God. It comes directly to us. Remember? And Paul then was saying in Acts 13, verse 26, Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the Word of this salvation sent. And he's telling them, listen, we're here, and we're preaching, and we're preaching the Word. We're sending this message as to you. And God has given us the Bible. He's got a message for you tonight in this meeting. Now, I'm talking here tonight to unsaved. There's a message directly for you tonight. It can come quietly, no doubt about it. It can come maybe unexpectedly. You may hear something tonight, and you say, you know something, I went to that mission, and I never, I never expected to hear what I was going to hear tonight. I didn't expect it. The people went to this party, and they never expected to, to, to see what was written on the wall, and you're here tonight. You say, I never expected, I never expected to hear these things tonight from this pulpit. God comes, and He speaks to us from His Word. Remember, it says, And Hebrews 4 verse 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and is sharper than any two-edged sword. And you know when we come sometime to God's word, what does it do? And I hope it does it with you tonight if you're unsaved. It'll stop you in your tracks. It stopped the party. It stopped the sin that was going on in this palace here at this particular time. And tonight you're being faced with the writing on the wall. Remember it's God's message. And we come here to preach. We don't come to preach our message. We come to preach the word of the living God. So there's an inspiration here of this writing on the wall. It's God's. It's God's message. And when you read the Bible, you remember you're reading God's message to your heart tonight. Then there's a the trepidation of the message. The word trepidation means a feeling of fear or anxiety about something that may happen. And what I want to say here tonight What Belshazzar saw made him afraid. It made him afraid. It filled his heart with fear. And you can see this in a number of ways in in, in him because you think about the changing of his countenance because in verse 6, then the king's countenance was changed. And in verse 9, it says, And his countenance was changed in him. Now, I don't know how it was changed, but I would say this, The color just went from his cheeks. And he went as white as snow. His countenance was changed. The people looked. He was laughing. He was mocking. He was praising the gods. And the moment, it just seemed he was terrified. His countenance was changed. Think about the troubling. Noah says in verse 6, and his thoughts troubled him. And verse 9 says, he's he's greatly troubled. He's he's really troubled now. He's troubled. He's not troubled before the writing. No, not a bit of it. He's not troubled at all. He's not troubled. But when he's faced with God's word, now he's troubled. Now he's troubled. And we find here in his shaking as well, because it says here that so the joint of his loins were loose and his knees smoked one against another. And if you can see this one, now he is really afraid. I have never been again, afraid that my knees were, were playing a wee tuned together. But that's how it was. He was shaken. He, he was troubled. He was full of fear here. And the crying out in verse 7, he cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, his wise men. Bring them in, he says. And he asked these men to tell him the interpretation with the Word of God. But I want you to see here, here's a man who's confronted with what he reads. He's full of fear. The writing's on the wall. It fills his heart with fear tonight. And sinners are troubled when they're confronted with the Word of God. I hope you are. I hope you are. There are people, it goes over their heads like, water ducks back? We, we say that sometimes. I hope you're troubled when you read the Bible. If you're unsaved tonight, that's are trouble. Remember in Acts 2, and, and Peter was preaching at Jerusalem, and it says with the people, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart And God's word, it it troubles people. Adam, when Adam sinned against God in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 10, and he was hiding, and he says to God, I heard thy voice, and I was afraid, and I was naked, and he says, I hid myself. In other words, he he ran away from God. He ran away from God. He ran away from God's word. He was troubled. Remember, Jonah went to Nineveh? What did he preach? Forty days and none of us shall be overthrown. The whole city was full of fear. The king proclaimed a fast. Nobody was to eat or anything. They were to cry to God. You see, they were troubled. They were troubled by what? They were troubled by the word of God. And God uses this word to trouble us, to disturb us. About the life we live, you're living a life that's wrong, according to the Bible. If you're living without Christ at night, you're living for the world, the things of the world, the pleasures of the world, the sin of the world. Then you read the Bible, and, and the Word of God comes to your heart, and you're troubled. You read about death. You read about eternity. You read about hell. And I want to say to you tonight, sinner, how thy heart is troubled. Maybe, maybe there's someone listening tonight. Maybe there's someone in this meeting, and you say, "Noel, I'm troubled. I'm troubled." I know I'm not right with God. I know I'm in my sin. I know I'm going to lose my my soul. I'm troubled because of the writing on the wall, the Word of God. And I asked you tonight, are you troubled? See, it's Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher. He was troubled one time with what he read in the Bible about him, how he was condemned and lost. And he said this, I remember the time when I (coughs) dare not go to sleep. And he said this, for fear I might wake up in hell. He was troubled. A young man. He was so troubled. He was afraid even to go to sleep. In case, in case he opened up his eyes in hell. The word of God brings fear to the hearts of those who's wrong in their life, sinning against them. And this man was troubled. And I him. I'm asking, I'm is there someone here tonight? Is there two people or three people tonight? And you're troubled, you say, No, I'm not right with God. I know I'll lose my soul if I die as I am. You see, the writing's on the wall. The writing's on the wall, you know. The word of God. And God has sent this message to trouble you tonight that you might be saved. This man, this man of power and a king, who had everything, he, he was troubled. The writing's on the wall. And so, the trepidation of the writing. And can I say lastly about the interpretation of the writing? There was a great mystery because he, he got his wise men. You know, the wise men came. He sat in verse 7 and 8, he cried aloud, <laughs> Bring in the astrologers, the Caledines and the soothsayers." And he says, whoever can read this one, he was going to clothe him with scarlet and a chain of gold and be a third ruler in the kingdom. Well, there was a great reward for these men if they would come and tell the interpretation of it. But here, verse it tells us. But they could not read the writing, nor make known to the king the interpretation thereof. They, they couldn't understand it. They could see it, but they didn't know what it was. What about the meaning of interpretation? There was a man in the kingdom called Daniel. Daniel, God's man, a wise man, a godly man. He was sent this by the queen in verse 11. There's a man in thy kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. Oh, there's a man. Listen, there's a man in the kingdom. Do you know his name? Daniel. Go and get him. Go and get Daniel. He'll tell you the message. And so Daniel comes in. We didn't take time to read the whole chapter. You can read it when you go home. Daniel comes in, and he's going to tell him the interpretation of the writing on the wall. And he tells him a number of things. He tells him about God's sovereignty in verse 18, about the king, Most High, give Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom of majesty and glory and honor. You know something? Your father had a great kingdom. Do you know who gave it to him? Do you know who gave him the kingdom? It was God. It was God. He tells him about his father. He was filled up with pride. And you can read that in the Bible. He was filled with pride. And he was driven out like an animal. And God humbled him. And then he tells him here about his sin. You knew all this. You knew what happened to your father. You knew what God, how God humbled him. But you didn't listen. And you have lifted up yourself in verse 23 against the Lord of heaven. And you brought the vessels. The vessels from the temple, the holy vessels of God, and you've drunken them, and you've praised the gods of gold and silver and brass and wood and horn, and the God in whose hand thy is, thy has not glorified. And he says, I'll tell you what the message is. And maybe he point I don't know, did he point up? I'm sure he did. I'll tell you the message. Meanie, meanie, tackle a horse. Do you know what it means? He says here, this is that meaning God has finished thy kingdom, has numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tackle that weighed in the balances and find, found wanting. Peres, thy kingdom is divided and given to the means in Persia. Uh, Belshazzar, here's the writing of the wall. Here's what it means you're lost. You're weighed in the balances and you're found wanting. And not only that, you're finished. Your kingdom is going to fall. And you're going to lose everything. The writing is on the wall. And that's what happened. He said, well, how did those men get through the great walls? How did they get into this kingdom? There were thick walls. There were high walls. And, and so, how did they get in? Well, there was a river. The river Euphrates went through and brought water into this city. And what the men did outside, they, they misdirected the river. And then there was no water or very little. And they came onto the walls. And it tells us what happened in verse 30. In that night was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldean slain. Do you see that? In that night. In the night God's matches came to him, and the night he saw the writing on the wall, he was slain. The writing was on the wall for him, wasn't it? He finished. Finished. And this was the meaning here of the interpretation And the writing's on the wall for you, unsaved person tonight. I want to tell you this. We're not here to tickle people with with little preaching or or watered down preaching. We're here to tell you the danger that you're in tonight. The writing's on the wall for everyone who's not saved. It's very clear in the Bible. There's death and there's hell. Everlasting hell. And you can read 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 how the Lord Jesus will come in flame and fire and taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ who shall be punished with everlasting destruction. The writing's on the wall for this world. The writing's on the wall for the ungodly. The writing's on the wall tonight for sinners. And the writing, if you're unconverted tonight in this meeting, the writing is on the wall for you. God's going to judge you, and you lose your soul. And I see this tonight when we think about the writing of the wall. Most people can read the writing on the wall, and they can assume it's addressed to someone else, but it's not. Don't be saying, well, it's for the person over on this side, or it's for the person over on this side here. No, no. If you're all converted in this meeting tonight, the message is for you, the writing on the wall for you. You're in danger and God could finish everything you have tonight. Tonight. There's not one person in this meeting expects to die tonight. This man, when he began his party, did not expect by the end of the night to be dead. The writing's on the wall. Sin brings forth death, brings forth judgment, brings forth eternity in hell and you can lose your soul. But I'm glad tonight that there's good writing on the wall tonight because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And if we believe in Him, if we turn from our sin and come and put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, He will save. He will save to the very uttermost. And that writing's on the wall tonight as well. Believe on the Lord, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at. It. And I shall be saved. Look at the writing on the wall tonight in this church. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and I shall be saved. That's the writing on the wall tonight for you in this meeting tonight. If you repent from your sin and trust Christ, He'll give you everlasting life. And you must come to Him you know not when you'll be taken out of this scene at time. I came across an article It's called A Two-Minute Warning. The National Football League, it's an American football league, and the game is played, and it is said that when there's only two minutes left, the referee gives a warning to the teams. There's only two minutes left. Now, it's a part of the game. There are some teams have a strategy when they hear that whistle, they change their plans, they change their way of playing, they have two minutes. They may be getting beat. But they go into this new gear, they have two minutes. Two minutes to change the game. Two minutes to win it. And whatever they do, sometimes, sometimes the team they win by just changing their game in the two minutes. But two minutes comes and goes. And if it's not changed, not won, it's over. And you need to change your game. And you have two minutes. The meeting's over. You need to repent and come to Jesus Christ. And trust him with all your heart tonight. Your writing's on the wall. It's on the wall. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. It's on the wall tonight. In the word of the living God. But the the Bible says, repent and believe the gospel and come to Christ. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they shall be saved. the writings on the wall tonight. Listen, if you're not saved, trust Christ. The church cannot do it. You cannot do it yourself. It's the blood of Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and shed his blood, one sacrifice for sin. It's his blood that cleanses from sin. It's the Lord Jesus that can save you and give you life. Now, are you prepared? Are you prepared for death? Are you prepared for eternity? And if not, we pray you'll come and trust the Lord Jesus as your own and personal Savior, even tonight in this meeting. Remember, the writing's on the wall. It's on the wall for you. And God's willing to save you and give you everlasting life. Come to Christ and trust Him with all your heart. We're here to help you. If you want to speak to me, Mr. McIntyre, come, speak with us after the meeting. Don't go home without Christ. Come and trust Him, and He'll save So We're going to sing just one verse of Him, 242. 242, just our time is gone.